0: Hey.
1: Well, let's take our Bibles again. Turn to the book of Genesis. Genesis, Genesis, chapter thirteen. Genesis, chapter thirteen. And we're in our series, "How to Make a Decision," and that's uh, obviously very important. <clears throat> I thought I'd just share with you something that I that really, really makes me just—I mean, just makes me throw up. It's a dartboard on the ceiling. Dartboard on the ceiling, throw up. <laughs> took you a while, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, some of you thought I was serious, didn't you? <laughs> That's a, see, you weren't even listening because you thought I was serious. All right? This is joke time, okay? So you can listen now, okay? So it makes, you know, throw OK, but anyway, you got it. Uh, so anyway, a fellow goes to the doctor, he says, uh, the doctor says, "You know, I got some good news and I got some bad news." Well, what's the bad news, Doc? He says, well, you see, they had to replace your toe with a piece of candy. (laughs) Candy? So what's the good news? Well, now you have (laughs) tic-tac-toe. Tic-tac-toe. You guys still aren't getting it, are you? So, yeah, my singles, they have to deal with this all the time. Don't you just hate when you pick up your bags? You're picking up your bags at the airport and everybody's luggage is just better than yours. You know how that is, you know? It's a real worst-case scenario. (laughs) Some of you just aren't with it. I'm going to quit right there. I I don't know if you can even handle this one. I I mean, I just had my first cup of coffee. When I was over in... uh, um, over over there in the Dominican Republic, I did. I, I had my first cup of coffee, but to be honest, it wasn't my cup of tea. <laughs> oh, wow, this is starting off good tonight, boy. Genesis chapter 13, verse 6. Here we go. You better hope the preaching's better than those jokes, right? It probably won't be. <laughs> Genesis chapter 13, verse 6. The Bible says, and the land was not able to bear them, that they might dwell together, for their substance was great, so that they could not dwell together. And there was a strife between the herdmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle, and the Canaanite and the Perizzite dwelled then in the land. And Abram said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, and between my herdmen and thy herdmen, for we be brethren. Is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If thou wilt take the left hand, then I'll go to the right. Or if, I, or if thou depart to the right hand, then I will go to the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the gardens of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zoar. Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves, the one from the other. Abram dwelled in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent towards Sodom. The men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. Well, Father, tonight we ask that you'd speak to our hearts as we will take just a few more moments and consider this thought, how to make a decision. Lord, I've been asking you to fill me with your spirit, and I pray, Lord, you'd do just that. I have nothing to offer this thy people except you give it me. And Lord, I know, Father, that unless you anoint every listening ear, we'll not hear exactly what you'd have for us. So, Father, I pray that you'd be with us tonight, and Lord, I know that it's uh, getting closer to Christmas, and a lot of things are still possibly needing done, we're thinking about just all the busyness and the activity that goes with it, but help us to calm our minds and to really allow ourselves to focus tonight on you and your word, to prioritize it right now at this moment. Lord, we'll thank you as you speak to our hearts and work in our lives. Father, we'll give you the glory for it in Christ's name. Amen. So we know that Abraham and Lot were faced with a dilemma and a choice had to be made. And we talked a lot about uh, that particular decision and said even that, well, Lot probably should have deferred the decision to Abram or to Abraham, but he didn't. And he ultimately made a decision that we know would ultimately cost him a big price. It cost a lot. And uh, we've been talking about making decisions, and we we realize that. Well, everybody has to make decisions. It's just part of life. There's no way of getting around that. And yet we said that no decision is complete or correct without God's stamp of approval. So choices are inherent in life, and making decisions cannot be avoided, but we said there's some things we need to do before making a decision. Number one, we said recognize the potential dangers. Number two, remember how tough it is to remain faithful in the midst of temptation. And then we said three, realize that your decision affects not only you, but your family and others. And tonight I want to continue by saying, before we make a decision, we need to reasonably consider the outcome of our decision. We need to consider the outcome of that decision. How many times have you heard somebody say, wow, I, I, I never dreamed I'd end up here? Never dreamed it. I never dreamed I'd end up there or end up here. I mean, the drunk never imagined themselves bound by alcohol. The drug addict never thought that they'd be fighting for their life after overdosing. The thief might have contemplated being caught, but they never really dreamed that they'd have to spend 15 years in prison. The man or woman with a hot temper didn't think it would cost them their marriage or possibly even their life or the life of another. The father never dreamed his lazy financial decisions would place his family on the streets or without their needs being met. I just never dreamed, we hear often. I never dreamed. I, I, well, you start replaying, and you need to do this, and so do I. You need to start playing out every scenario in your mind. Do your best to feel the pain. Do your best to experience the suffering of a bad decision, or a situation that could arise as a result of a decision you could make before you even make that decision. I mean one of the things that we face in Christianity is we go about trying to tell people about Jesus Christ and help them to come to a saving knowledge of the Lord. Why? Because there's a consequence to pay. And if they fail to accept and receive Christ, then they're going to spend an eternity in a place called hell or the lake of fire, as it's called in Revelation 20. Well, it's it's too late once you're there, right? But unfortunately, many of the decisions we make, we fail to consider the consequences to really maul over what that might really mean, how it could really play out. And as a result of that, we may make a decision that's abrupt, maybe even too quick. We need to play out each possible scenario, every possibility we can possibly imagine. I mean, for instance, we're going to buy a car. You're going to buy a new car, you're going to buy a used car. The cost of a new car is something you have to consider. That's, that's something you better be prepared when you go there at sticker shock. Also, the, there's a risk of buying a used car. I mean, do you have a repair budget? Do you have pieces in place for whatever decision you make? Do you have the financial income to support a payment if you're going to have to go that route? My point just being is, it doesn't matter whether it's new, whether it's used. It doesn't matter whether you're buying off a, a dealership or possibly an individual. There are always scenarios you have to throw in your mind and, and consider in your mind before you make the decision. Why? Because once you make the decision, well, it's too late. You better have some things figured out and you better think about what the potential consequences could be. More often than not, we recognize the need, but that's where we stop. Well, I need something. Well, that need needs to be met. We understand that, right? I mean, that's for sure if it's truly a need. Well, we just can't stop, however, with the need. We can't stop and say, well, there's something I need, therefore I best, I best buy it. I got I to gotta purchase it. I just got to do it. Well, you better consider the cost. Maybe there's an alternative solution maybe there's some other thing you could do in the time in in the meantime but you got to be careful I don't know have you ever made a bad decision yeah, that's a loaded question right you say I've never made a bad decision man I need to hang out with you more you <laughs> give me a few little advice here I've made a few of them quite a few of them I'm sure And if you talk to people, they'd say, I've made a lot more than I probably think I have. So what factors contribute to a bad decision? Well, in some cases, we simply dismiss the possibility, or should I say, the possible consequences, and instead, we recklessly plow ahead. Why would we dismiss the potential consequences? Why would we do that? Well, I just want to give you a couple reasons why we might do that. Number one, we're blinded by the personal pleasure it will bring. We're blinded by the personal pleasure it will bring. You know, when I think about that, turn over to Judges chapter 16. I, I, I can't help but think about Samson. And Samson made a lot of bad decisions when it came to women. He, he really struggled. But he was blinded by the potential of personal pleasure. He, he somehow couldn't see past the personal pleasure of the relationship or the possibly interacting with this particular person. In Judges chapter 16, beginning at verse 15, and we know how this all goes down, but she said unto him, verse 15, How canst thou say, I love thee, when thine heart is not with me? Now listen, we understand that he's dealing with someone here that's not really a, a very good girl. But he's involved with her, why? Because of the, well, personal pleasure. You know, I mean, that's really why he just totally and completely neglects the potential consequences. Because he sees or believes this is worth more than the possibility of the payment he'll have to pay. And so anyway... He said, Thou hast mocked me these three times. Thou hast not told me wherein thy great strength lieth. And it came to pass when she pressed him daily with her words and urged him so that his soul was vexed unto death. Verse 17, that he told her all his heart and said unto her, There is not a come a razor upon my head, for I have been a Nazarite unto God from my mother's womb. If I be shaven, then my strength will go from me, and I shall become weak and be like any other man. But we know how it ended, don't we? Verse 21, but the Philistines took him and they put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza and bound him with fetters of brass and he did grind in the prison house. But well, we got a guy here who is the strong man of the Bible and yet he is a weakling when it comes to saying no to self and pleasure. Man, I would not want to arm wrestle this guy. I wouldn't want an Indian wrestling. I wouldn't even want a thumb wrestling. I mean, I want nothing to do with him. I mean, he is the strong man of the Bible. There's nobody like him. And yet, as the Bible says, he's brought to a piece of bread. Because, again, he dismissed or disregarded potential consequences because he was blinded by personal pleasure the possibility of the personal pleasure it would bring. Hmm, Samson messed up. Samson, you're really making a mistake here. I can only imagine, we know how his parents were right off the bat years before this. And they were like, when he first started deciding what kind of girls he wanted to hang out with and run with, and, and, and they were like, no, 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 this isn't good. Why don't, you, why don't you marry a good girl, Samson? Why don't you get involved with a good girl? And he's like, well, the good girls aren't any fun. Isn't that really what he said? Boy, did it cost him, didn't it? But once again, why do we sometimes dismiss the potential consequences? Because we're blinded by the personal pleasure it will bring. Number two. Oh, wait, before I leave there, let's think about this for just a minute. How many others in Scripture could we recall who found themselves in a mess because they dismissed the potential consequences? being blinded by the personal pleasure it would bring. Think about that. What other characters in the Bible, what other men or women in the Bible do we see evidence of this? This is not isolated to Samson by any stretch of the imagination, and may I say it didn't die when he died. It's still today. It's right where we live. We all have to fight these issues. We have to deal with these issues. We're blinded by personal pleasure, the personal pleasure it will bring. Number two, we're blinded. Why would we dismiss the potential consequences? We're blinded by the potential prosperity it'll bring. The potential, or the, the, the potential prosperity it will bring. Now, we could spend a few moments and talk about Lot, couldn't we? I mean, we know that Lot, of course, pitched his tent towards Sodom. We know that ultimately he ends up there. Why? What, what was it about the decision he made? It was that it really... Looked like it would prosper him. That it was a very good decision financially. But it was a very poor decision relationally. It wrecked and ruined his relationship with God. It destroyed his family. It ruined his marriage and it cost him his marriage in the end. And it cost him, boy, a lot. And it's still costing us today. Man, it's crazy to think about what went down, all because he dismissed the potential consequences because he was blinded by the personal prosperity it would bring. I think about Achan. Turn to John, Joshua chapter 7. Here's another fellow in the Bible, old Achan. Joshua chapter 7, verse 20. Tonight, nothing, nothing, nothing at all deep, obviously, but very practical. Again, we've got to make decisions every day. The question is, will we make the right decisions? And we have to consider the consequences of those decisions. Notice what the Bible says in the book of Joshua, chapter 7, verse 20. And Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel. And thus and thus have I done. Now we know that they went on into the city of what? Israel went and did what? They destroyed what city? Jericho, Jericho, right? Remember the big walls? Where the walls fell flat? They weren't supposed to bring back the spoils. They they themselves weren't supposed to get rich over this situation. And yet Achan decided he would. I mean, he's, he's picking up some garments that he thinks look pretty snazzy. I don't know if he had to try them on. He thought maybe the wife might like them. Are even going to sell them for a profit? I don't know what he was thinking about. I mean, clothes, get real, man. There's, there's all kind of other stuff there, right? Gold, then he's got this gold. I mean, he's got big wedges, a wedge of gold. How do, you, how do you carry a wedge of gold without anybody seeing you? I mean, those things are heavy. Gold is one of the most uh, weighty uh, precious metals there is. I mean, it's pretty weighty. But here he did. He stole all that stuff. He took it on himself. Oh, he, 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 he made a big haul that day. And he said, When I saw among the spools a goodly Babylonian garment and two hundred shekels of silver and a wedge of gold of fifty shekels weight, then I coveted them and took them, and behold, they are hid in the earth in the midst of my tent and the silver under it. Okay. Well, there you go. He made a choice. He made a decision. He made a decision for money. He made a decision for prosperity. It doesn't sound to me like he considered the consequences too awfully much, though, does it? I mean, because we're going to read in Joshua chapter seven, verse twenty-four. It says, "In Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan the son of Zerah and the silver and the garment, and the wedge of gold and his sons, and his daughters, and his oxen and his asses and his sheep and his tent." and all that he had, and they brought them unto the valley of Acorn. And Joshua said, Why hast thou troubled us? You remember there were 30 that died when they went to Ai to defeat Ai. Mm. Aiken cost men their lives. There's no record that anybody died when they took Jericho. But they go to take this little small place, a, a, a nation down, and it costs them. Watch what he goes on, what it's going to cost him now. He goes on to say, And Joshua said, Why hast thou troubled us? The Lord shall trouble thee this day. And all Israel stoned him with stones. They burned them with fire. Notice that, burned them. Who's them? It's all his family. After that, after they had stoned them with stones, and they raised over him a great heap of stones unto this day. So the Lord turned from the fierceness of his anger. Wherefore the name of the place was called the Valley of Achor unto this day. Now, I don't know about you, but that was a pretty heavy price to pay to get ahead financially. And you say, well, that's stealing. But okay, let's just assume that for a moment, we live in the the day and age in which we do. We understand and recognize that there are things that God expects of us. The truth is, is that there's been a number of people through the years who have chosen finances as a decision, made a decision, I'm going to pursue my finances. I'm going to pursue this. I want a better life. I want more things. And it's cost them something. In some cases, it's cost them their very families. Why would we dismiss the potential consequences? Maybe because we're blinded by the potential prosperity it will bring. Oh, this is worth it. At least right on the onset, because I I really have a need right now. I really want to get ahead, and uh uh-huh, okay. You better really think about the consequences. Don't just, go, don't, don't just dismiss those. Don't just plow ahead. Really consider it. Think it through. Do you want, I wonder, do you think Achan ever thought that through? Or do you think he just responded? Do you think he was in the midst of... Do you think that he had pre-planned? I mean, that he'd already premeditated stealing all this stuff or taking it all? I mean, in other battles and stuff, they're going to be permitted to do so, right? But, but this one, they weren't. Do you think that he had already thought it through? Or was he just in the midst of the battle and he thought to himself, man, let me just grab this stuff up. This is a quick fix. I'll take this. I'll bury it. I'll hide it. And then when everything calms down, man, we're going to be rich. I'll be taking care of my kids. I'll give them brand new Nikes. I'll give my wife a brand new computer. It's going to be wonderful. She's going to think I'm the best thing than sliced bread. I wonder. I don't know that he premeditated it necessarily. You know what? I don't don't think he thought it through. Not to the end. And you know what? Sadly enough, I don't think we think things through to the end sometimes. We only think things so far, and then we say, but the need is greater than the possible consequences, unless we think it through to the end usually. So number one, why would we dismiss the potential consequences? Well, Maybe because we're blinded by the personal pleasure it will bring. Or possibly we're blinded by the potential prosperity it will bring. And finally, maybe it's because we're blinded by the promised power it will bring. I, I think about Genesis chapter 3, and I go all the way back there. I, I think about, because we're not that far if you're in Genesis 13, but in Genesis chapter 3, we've got uh, Eve over here, and ultimately Adam. Adam. And there's a promise that's made to them, basically. Now the serpent, verse 1 in chapter 3, was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God hath made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the tree of the the garden, But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, ye shall not eat of it. Neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. Be careful adding anything to the Bible, first of all. Because he didn't say they couldn't touch it, although they'd probably be wise not to. Number four, verse four. And the servant said unto the woman, ye shall not surely die. And he was partially correct, wasn't he? I mean, you think about it. I mean, if she touched it, you're not going to die. But if he ate it, God had promised to do that. Can you imagine that day? She's over there looking at that fruit. And the Bible says that ultimately it says here, uh, it says, and the woman saw, verse 6, that the tree was good for food. It was pleasant to the eye and a tree to be desired to make one wise. And she took of the fruit thereof. I don't know what that fruit was exactly. Some have said, you know, they try to make it look like it's an apple, and I don't think it was apples. Some have said, well, they're probably grapes, because that's one of the great, you know, things that God talks about a lot in the Bible and all. I I can't say for sure. But what I do know is that more than likely, at least it seems to me now, that she probably grabbed or touched that fruit and went, so far, so good. Oh, I'm not dead. Remember, you're not supposed to eat it, but neither shall ye touch it, she said. So now she's touching the fruit, and she's like, man, he's right. I didn't die. I'm good to go. And then she ate of it. She's still doing pretty good so far. But then she gives it to her husband. And she says, look, I touched it. I'm not dead. I even ate it. I'm good to go. And he said, if we eat this, we're going to be really wise. But I'm not dead. I touched it. I ate it. I'm not dead. God obviously kind of exaggerates. And all of a sudden, Adam ate the fruit. Well, everything went into motion, and we know how it ended. We're still paying the consequences of the prices of that, to happen, aren't we? Didn't think it through very good. Why? Because at some point, they were blinded by the promised power it would bring the knowledge that they would have, the ability possibly that they'd have, they'd be like God's as well. And if God could create them and create all this, wouldn't it be wonderful to be like God? They didn't think about the consequences. They didn't really run it to the end. You know, sometimes if we're not careful, we get blinded by the promise of power. We think somehow that a position or preeminence of some sort might really be worth the price. We have to be very cautious and careful. How many others in Scripture could we recall who found themselves in a mess? Why? Because they dismissed the potential consequences of being blinded by the promise of power. I wonder how many of you, I've already asked the question for me, but how many of you have found yourself in a mess because you dismiss the potential consequences all because you were blinded by the personal pleasure it might bring or the potential prosperity it might bring or the promised power it might bring. Think about that. And there's a number of other reasons too. We understand that, but for time's sake, this is just three that I shared. And I just want to encourage you because we all have to make decisions every day. We have to be so cautious and so careful. Because, see, you make the choice, and then what? The choice makes you. So, we need to recognize the potential dangers. We need to remember how tough it is to remain faithful in the midst of temptation. We need to realize that our decisions affect not only ourselves, but our family and others. And we need to reasonably consider the outcome of our decision. I mean, really follow it to the end. Where will this take me? Where will this end? If I go this direction, where will I end up? If I go that direction, where will I end up? Not just over the next week or month maybe, but where will I end up over a lifetime? Young people, it's so difficult for you because... You're so short-sighted, not because you intend to be, not because you necessarily want to be, or it certainly has nothing to do with your abilities. You're smart, you're intelligent, we get all that, but you've only lived so much life, so your life is so limited in, in your scope of and vision. You know what I mean? That's all. It's it's not that you're you're dumb. You're not dumb at all. You're very intelligent. You're very smart, I'm sure. But but you don't you're smiling at me now, I hope you're not... You just said I was dumb, didn't you? You didn't say that. Oh, good. All right, so anyway, but you're, you're so limited in your scope. You only see so far. And that's why God's given you parents. That's why he's given you uh, leaders, so that you can seek their advice. You can ask them questions. You can get some perspective that way. But you have big decisions to make that will affect potentially your entire life. And you got to make them while you're young. Boy, be careful. Don't dismiss the consequences of your actions. Amen. Be willing to think it through to the end, not just over the next couple years, but over a lifetime. Father, we come to you. We thank you again for the many blessings that you have bestowed upon us and the wonderful, wonderful things you've done in our lives. But, Lord, We do all have to, every one of us have to make decisions consistently and continually. Lord, help us to make good decisions. Lord, there's no doubt we're going to make mistakes, we're going to mess up, but Lord, may you just be merciful to us. Lord, may we not consciously or willingly do things that are wrong just to do wrong, but help us, Lord, to make good decisions when we do make them. Considering the consequences. Thinking it through to the end. Not just a week or two or a month or two, but down the road a year or two and even a lifetime. Help us, Lord, just to be careful to make good decisions that bring glory and honor to you. Let the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name. Let's all stand every head.